Welcome to our new podcast, Building Astropad. I'm Matt Runge, co-founder and CEO at Astropad, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes at our company, where we build software and hardware products for creative people. So if you're a creator, interested in bootstrapping a business, or starting your next big project, join us in learning together. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm here with Rachel Dugan of the Astropad team. Hi, Rachel. Want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm Rachel. I go by Dugs, and I am an illustrator, a freelance illustrator. So I moonlight evenings and weekends drawing for different things. Yeah, and also part of the marketing team here at yes. Astropad. Yes. And yeah, two Rachels on the team. So you go by Dugs. <laughs> we know you as Dugs. I- yes. So yeah, so you you moonlight as a freelancer. So today we're going to talk about your your freelance career as an illustrator and what it's been like in 2020 because yeah. things have been pretty different. But first, I'd love to hear more about you know your illustration and and what you do. Yeah, for sure. I so I went to art school in Chicago at Columbia College, and I studied art and design, and then. Basically, right as I was finishing, I knew I loved illustration. And since then, it's been about 10 years, I've been freelancing as an illustrator. So my drawing style is very simple, mostly black and white line drawings. I dabble in color, but I love drawing observations, current events, celebrities, portraits, animals, it kind of a little bit of everything, but I like my work to be very accessible and maybe make people laugh or smile when they see it. And how long have you been doing that? How long have you been working as a, a freelancer? Over 10 years now. Yeah. It's been a good chunk of time. And how'd you how'd you get started doing that? Well, like, I just kind of realized that I've always been a doodler and uh-huh. I thought, how can I make money doing this? And so I just started pretending that I knew what I was doing and created drawings. And if if it people responded well to it online, I would offer to sell it or draw people for like custom portraits. And then I started doing selling events and printing things on merch. And yeah, it just kind of spiraled. And now I'm I'm able to offer all sorts of things from like drawing workshops to live drawing events, selling merch and doing like editorial illustrations or custom illustrations. So it sounds like you got started through the internet. Is that right? That like originally people found your work through the internet and you sold it through the internet? Absolutely. Yeah. Without social media, I I can't imagine. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it started, yeah. it all started on social media. Yes, because I coming out of school, it was so important to have a website, obviously, like your portfolio. But that wasn't nearly as important in my journey as having social media. And it was kind of just like throw something out there and see if it sticks. And with social media, that's where really my primary audience is, and specifically Instagram. And that is, yeah, it's just like the lifeblood of my business. So that's pretty interesting. I think it's interesting too for people getting started as well. You know, how did you start early on? Like, say you're you're getting on. You know, if you take us back to when you started on Instagram and you started sharing your drawings, 
how did that get going? Like, how did you like bootstrap that process? Like, did you already have some existing followers that helped or like what somebody starting new in the field that really doesn't have a lot of followers on Instagram and wants to do something similar? What would you suggest? Yeah. Most of the people that followed me were just friends and people I knew from college who happened to also be creative people. And then the more, and you know, 10 plus years ago, Instagram was not what it is today. It was Mm -hmm. very like basic. I don't know. You didn't post a whole lot. People weren't like using it as a platform for their business as much as today. Yeah. It wasn't commercial yet, really. It was more just like people's everyday photographs. Yeah. And filters like that sort of like, but yeah, I would suggest, I think that People should really, if they're like, oh, I should probably get on social to start getting eyes on my work. I would say, pick what works. Like sometimes everybody's like, oh, I got to make a profile for every last platform. And then they lose track of being consistent. And I think when you're on social media and you're trying to be an artist or business or a brand, consistency is key because you want to stay relevant in people's feed and For me, Instagram is perfect because it's visual. There's like shopping features and easy contact. Like you can DM, email, comment, you can link in there. And I think the hardest part, at least for like a creative person, is the critique. Like nobody likes being critiqued. Oh, sure. And so a lot of people that I've known throughout the years who aren't really active on social media, but they are artists. They just don't like the idea of putting something out there because they're nervous of the response. And I can say that not everything I post has a positive response or has like, you know, sometimes what I love, I post and people don't like it. And then something that I think is kind of like a whatever afterthought drawing ends up being super popular. And it just kind of helps you gauge what, what parts of your work are actually important to to showcase and what could be products what what things maybe are just personal work it helps you like suss out your own portfolio and where to go no that yeah and that applies to so much stuff too i mean even you know my background's mostly in like software like programming building software and even there too there's the same tendency where you don't want to ship something. You don't want to ship, you know, you work so hard on, you know, I, I've done side projects in the past, my own little utilities and things I've built. Yeah. And you're afraid to put it out there because you're like, oh, somebody's going to find a bug or somebody's going <laughs> to think it's not very good or it's not useful or it's, you know, there's always objections. And and as you said, the only way to fight that is is to do it, is to put it out there and build mm-hmm. a build a habit of putting stuff out there because it gets easier every single time. For sure. Yeah. That's pretty interesting too, that like you were saying that Instagram is is your main channel and like, I'll note like you're not on Twitter, right? Like, no. Not. <laughs> I remember I was asking, well, oh, what's your Twitter? And you're like, I'm, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But so Instagram, is there other, is there, are there social media channels you use or do you really just focus on, on Instagram? I also post on Facebook, but I don't, I'm not as active, I would say, on Facebook. Facebook is kind of just like the parallel to Instagram. And there are some people who happen to be on Facebook that are customers of mine, or but they, they aren't on Instagram. So yeah, I've just kind of kept it to those. And those are the main channels where people will ask how to buy things or will 
invite me to do markets or in-person events or ask random questions like, do you do weddings? Would you do live drawing at a wedding? And then all of a sudden <laughs> it great. turns into a job. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's interesting advice too, to like, yeah, just focus on like one social media channel, just like go for Instagram or go for, you know, whatever it is that TikTok or, you know, like yeah, you your videos you can figure or, that out. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, you know, focus on like building on one before you go to the other. I think that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So I was curious too, what does it look like when your customers reach out to you? Cause it sounds like they find you through Instagram. What does that look like? Do they DM you or what, how does, how does the process work? Cause I know that's one complaint about Instagram is it's, it's harder to like have a link to go somewhere. It's harder to, you know, kind of act when you see a, see a post. Yeah. People contact me in every, every possible way. I've even been texted before by someone who was a friend of a friend who gave a phone number and was <laughs> okay, like, Can I was going to say, how'd they get your, how'd you get your number? Okay. Yeah. Friend of a friend. But I would say that the primary way people contact me, like would be through my website, finding my email, sending me an email or DMing on Facebook or Instagram or commenting, asking like things. And it, it can be, it can be kind of exhausting because it's every I'm a, I'm one person. I don't have anybody else helping right. me with, yeah, with this. A, yeah, agent. <laughs> I have a team. No. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I take response times really seriously because I want to be accessible. And so I, I'm like constantly checking my DMs. Like if somebody leaves a comment, I, I just want to like make sure that that experience is positive and that people feel like if they ask something of me, I'm on it. But yeah, I would say people reach out in, in so many different ways and just being flexible with how they feel comfortable with doing that. And you've built up like a serious following on Instagram too. It's really impressive. Like I, I believe it's over 10,000 people you have following you. On yeah. Instagram. Yeah. I mean, what do you would attribute a lot of that to? Like, what would you tell somebody else who wants to build a following like that? Another illustrator that wants to build a major following on Instagram. What's worked for you? Yeah, I think the first thing is that it's been a slow process. It hasn't been an instant, oh, I just did this one thing right and it skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. I wish I yeah. could <laughs> say that because that's no silver bullet, right? Yeah, no. A lot of hard work. There's just, it's been a lot of slow growth and trying new things and being willing to try things that you aren't certain will work and see where they go. I think the consistency, I've had a lot of people tell me like every morning when I get up, my morning routine, like you post something and I, and it's just like interesting to hear that perspective because mm -hmm. for me, I like to do that because I have a full-time job. So I have a tight schedule of, I get up early. I try to take care of some illustration stuff. I post on social and then I transition to my job at Astropad. So mm -hmm. But then hearing what people say and adapting to that. So then I'm like, okay, then I'm onto something. I like that. Or paying attention to the pattern in which you post and trying not to be so similar every single time, but also not, I don't know, some people are like so intense about the grid and what does the grid look like? And, oh, sure. And, you know, highly stylized. And it's like, sometimes you might have a awesome thought and you just go for it in the moment. And that's okay too. Like you can't plan for every, every moment or every good idea. So 
I think just doing it. I know I don't like I know some people who have like extreme huge followings like over a hundred thousand or even a million. And it's so like, wow, we're so impressed by this follower count, but it's really just a lot of work and patience and hoping for the best and just trying until things start kind of ticking up. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were talking about the grid, are you referring to like when you go into a profile and you look at somebody's overall posts, like yeah. People try to get that. Just be so perfect. Yeah, like everything's so perfect. Perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that even like from so so many of the things I've learned being on the marketing team at Astropad, there's something to be said about not always being completely polished, about, you know, what other people are doing, like when we share user-generated content, and that you can't always plan for that. And people like to see reality. It's not always like the most polished thing ever. So trying to incorporate some of some of that, even in my illustration stuff where I'm always hiding behind my illustrations, I've tried to be more like, oh, this is my drawing room. This is my office. Like, this is how I do things. Like that before I would be like, no, nobody wants to see that. It's not glamorous. I don't have a cool, crazy, you know, drawing studio. But then it just like, connects you more and being willing to like, yeah, try. Absolutely. Yeah. The people want to see that kind of behind the scenes, how the sausage is made. What's go yeah. what's going on, right? <laughs> I mean, that's part of the reason we're even doing this this podcast. Is yeah. just to talk with people on the team and talk what's going behind the scenes and yeah, sure share more kind of raw details of of what's happening and and not having to be so perfect and polished all the time. You know, mm -hmm. just get, get something out there. It makes it more human in a way too. You can connect with it more. Totally human and accessible. I think just having that line, whether it's like communication or storytelling, the human factor, it's really nice, especially now too, because we're all social distance and, yeah. and trying to like connect with one another. Like social media is a very powerful tool, but there's also other ways to do it. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, we should, we should get back to also talking about, you know, and I wanted to ask a bunch about social media because you've done such a great job with that. And it, I think it makes sense for a lot of other illustrators too, to hear what you've done with social media. But we should talk too about what it's been like in 2020 with the pandemic and COVID and kind of what, what does that look like for your, for your illustration, your freelance illustration business? Like what, what's kind of the before and after? <laughs> it's been a roller coaster. I was really gearing up for a super busy year. I would say last year was my busiest year ever with illustration in terms of the number of events I did, the amount of business I did. Just it was just kind of like, ooh, this like mm -hmm. shit, like things are Yeah, it's taken off. Yeah. Taken off and it was yeah, really it was exciting. Great. And so a lot of planning goes into your following year because you, when you events are happening or music festivals or things that you will be participating in, there's you have to kind of go into that. But so I would say that when 2020 started, right after the holidays is a slow period for me because people typically don't shop a ton in January. February is a little bit more because Valentine's Day and I, I teach a Valentine's Day workshop. So I did that and I did like some live drawing in February and it was kind of like, okay, I'm just getting back in the groove for, for spring and into summer. And then that weekend in March, that like middle of March, and I had been seeing the news and yep, what was going yep. on. And I think we were 
or I should speak for myself. I was very naive. I thought, well, this seems pretty bad. And like, something's going to happen, but nothing ever really happens quite like that right, here. Right. So I was cautiously optimistic. And then it happened. It just kind of like this numbness, this numbness and this standstill where I think everybody, like freelancers, artists or not, were just like, what is actually happening and the gravity of the situation? And I mean, I should really also like I'm super privileged. I have a full time job with Astropad. So I'm a freelance artist. And that's just like the cherry on top. So I, I speak from that perspective. But I have so many friends and peers who own their own business, freelance, and talking with them. And they're like, I mean, and I, I share this, but this like absolute halt in business going from yeah, that's terrifying. Regular overnight, right? Overnight to a, a standstill, and then wondering what what can we do? Like, what's going to happen? And because there is, it's so unknown how this will all roll out, and that we're just in basically the beginning few stages. Like, we've got a long way to go based on what people are saying. So, pacing yourself, like trying to like be present in now, but also be planning because. If you don't have something to fall back on, then you really do. You are in a very scary situation. And, and, you know, outside of this too, a lot of people who had jobs don't. So that means that they're probably not buying cool artwork, (laughs) cool posters or ceramics and all these things. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's terrifying to have it just shut off overnight like that. And then in the beginning too, I think, you know, none of us could foresee really how long this was going to last. It was like, oh, is this going to be a couple of weeks? And then we're out of this, you know, yeah. it, it took a while for it to settle in that, okay, this is going to be a thing for, for quite some time into, into 2021, mm-hmm. which was unsettling and took a while to come to terms with. For a lot of your friends in the freelance business, what are you hearing now from them? Has business picked up at all? Has it changed or are they still kind of in the similar situation to March? It really depends on who I talk to. I would say that there are some positives that I do know some people who they were frozen for a bit. There was nothing going on, but then they kind of figured out like a lot of people are starting to create artwork that's talks to the experience of right now, like what we're all going through. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And people are like, wow, like this speaks to me. I really want this, this artwork because it's now it's like, we're all going through this and we're all trying to figure it out. And then other people who, you know, maybe worked for bigger clients and didn't create as much original artwork, but made it for large scale corporations. Like that work has in many ways evaporated because these huge companies, maybe some are doing bad or even like sports team, that sort of stuff is halted. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. Events yeah, have halted, but over, I mean, a lot of the artists I know, a lot of times like the money that they're making, it's like in the budgets of these companies, like that's like fun budget, <laughs> the fun, like, Oh, what if we do this really unique marketing thing with this artist and we do, we, they make this custom thing and we share it or something. And now it just, it's like that. Uh, first to be cut. Yeah. Yeah. If it's the first fun, to be cut. fun part. Yeah. Yeah. No, 
yeah, I think it's a it's a mix, but I I don't think I've I've talked to anybody who's like business as usual. And what have have you found that that's worked? Like in what ways have you had to pivot? So in one way, I think that I've always priced my work very affordable. I've always created affordable artwork. And in this moment, affordability and accessibility is really important because a lot of people are worried about their financials and they don't have a ton of money. So in that regard, I'm like, because I've seen some people lower their prices because they're just like, nobody's going to buy a $50 candle like Mm -hmm. right now. So there's that. I also had a really strong period where I was creating care packages for people. So I make these things called mystery fun packs and I've been doing them for years. And it's basically just, I have boxes of drawings, like loose leaf paper drawings. Yeah. And I cut up, you know, like 10 drawings. I go through the box and I put them in an envelope and ship them off to somebody. And you can, you can include (laughs) a special note. And so all of a sudden people were like, I want to send snail mail to my friend. And, and, it was so lovely. I was like writing these custom notes to people and I felt like I, you know, they're just like, I hope this makes you happy, even if it's just for a day or this is like really personal, nice things. And people felt that I could help them connect with their friend who lives maybe in another state or whatever, who's going through a hard time. And so for a while, that's all I was doing. I was just sending mystery fun packs. And those typically are just popular around Christmas time because it's like a fun random gift that nobody expects. And so to have that be a popular item, like that was really unexpected. And I was like, okay, I'm gearing up. I'm going to have to like, it's get ready for all these orders. And that was really, really fun. No, that's great. And that makes a ton of sense too, with, you know, everybody's locked down and especially if you have family and friends and other areas you can't even go see them that they'd want to send them something. No, that makes total sense. Like pivoting to, to what, what makes sense for the moment. And I've seen you do a ton of illustrations too, of people wearing masks. Yes. Which is great. (laughs) I've seen a bunch of those on Instagram, which. Yes. Yeah. I guess I feel, and I, I wrote about this a bit too, is that there's a lot going on right now in the world. And if you feel compelled to help better something, or if there's a cause you believe in, or if you want to, I mean, I, I feel like I have some level of responsibility to say things because I do have a lot of followers. And I want to make sure that I'm able to be like wearing a mask is cool. And we should all be wearing masks, especially Mm -hmm. for around people or if we're going grocery shopping, it's just the right thing to do. And I've had some pushback, but overall, I think people, I try to like repurpose old drawings. So I just go through old drawings <laughs> and then I add a mask. That's really smart. <laughs> and then I just maybe have like a new caption or I write a new note on it to make it like maybe a little funny or feel shareable and, and yeah, like keeping it on current events. And it's, it's just how I feel. Yeah, and I like too how you're how you're reusing old drawings because it sounds like for the mask pictures you've been doing and for the mystery fun packs too, mm-hmm. you were taking like old. That's great. Where you take these little drawings you've done and and find a new use for them. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, 
you know, they'd just be collecting dust. And some people, you know, depending on your style. So if you if it takes you 20 hours to create a drawing, it takes me a matter of minutes to create a doodle. So I don't have this strong emotional attachment to them or feeling like they're they have to be hundreds of dollars. So it's fun. I just like cut them up and and then, yeah, with like repurposing <laughs> drawings, I'm like, oh, people liked this, you know, a year ago. I should just redraw it and add something new and it feels fresh. So so what else for your freelance business has been the mystery fun packs? Is there other stuff that's been been working really well for you, you know, kind of during these these crazy times? Yeah, I would say custom portraits. So I do like custom people, couple family portraits. I also do custom pet portraits. I do custom butt portraits, which are very unexpected. (laughs) I think people like... (laughs) We should probably talk about that a little bit too, because you're known for the butt portraits. It's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, how did that... How did that come to be? What's the story there? You know, I get asked that a lot. And I think growing up, just doodling and my dad always had like sketchbooks where he would draw like naked ladies and stuff. And like yeah. growing up being like, I want to draw. And like, I didn't draw that as a kid, but I think I always found it funny. And I have like a pretty low brow sense of humor. So a butt is kind of like funny to me. And I, I also think body positivity is really important and it makes me so happy like booty drawings like first started in person so I would do have a table at an event and I would be like do you want me to draw your butt I'll draw your butt and you turn around and obviously it's like consensual they want to and then right I do it within a matter of like two minutes and then they get the original drawing. I do couple butts, people and their dogs butts, like cat butts, <laughs> any any combo of butts and the excitement that people had, it just, when people would turn around and I'd show it to them, just the, like, they would be glowing because they're like, that's what I look like. And it made me feel so good that I was like offering this new perspective. <laughs> and all I do is make line drawings. I'm like legit just looking at, you know, what what's the shape? What kind of pattern is are the pants that they're wearing? Where are the creases? Where are the, like, just really, really basic stuff. But then that morphed into online. Obviously, now I'm not doing events, but I also just started doing it online. So people send me pictures and, you know, I get many different types of photos and then I <laughs> I draw it. And, oh, man. You know, I never thought about that. But yeah, that, <laughs> that might be the, the one downside. <laughs> luckily, luckily, it's always like people ask, like people are really okay. Okay. Like, okay. People ask. So there's never been like a, a weird like no, this isn't yeah, no this big isn't. surprises. Like, Oh man, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to see that this morning. Yes, exactly. But all that to say, I, I've noticed people like have had to cancel their weddings. People who were going to graduate couldn't people who are missing their loved ones. Like I've had those people reach out and share photos and say, this person just graduated and they can't do any, like, can you draw a portrait of them? Or this wedding got pushed back. So we're doing like a Zoom fake wedding party. And I want to like reveal the drawing to them during it. Like really cool, nice things. And so, and even butt drawings, like people will like, yeah, yeah, they're just yeah, like, no, of course, yeah. you know, just something yeah. fun and nice, unexpected. Something that makes you maybe forget a little bit of how heavy things can be and have a moment of joy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And like helping people process what's going on. Cause I always find a lot of your, a lot of your drawings too, to be like really humorous. So, I mean, the butt drawings, I mean, 
Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, it sounds like you've, you've, you know, found ways to adapt with, with what's going on and not only that, but help people process what's going on through, through the art you're making. What would you recommend to, what would be your advice to other freelance illustrators out there? What are some things that they can do during this pandemic for their business? I think coming out of like a go, 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 always busy, always focusing on the next thing. We all have like kind of administrative tasks that maybe we put off and they're not super sexy to talk about, but now's a really good time to do it. So for example, like updating your website, like I do have a a website. I've just kept it. It's there. It's a portfolio. It's another way to contact me and, or find out more about my clients and examples of my work. And because I draw a lot, oftentimes when I do update it like once a year, it's like, oh man, I've drawn so much this year. I should add some new stuff because it reflects like who I am today and how I draw. And, and so I think now is a really great time to take inventory on your online presence. And maybe you don't even have a website. Maybe now is a good time to like start imagining what your website could look like. Or if you do have one, update it, make sure it's easy to navigate and that they can find your information. Or if you don't have like a client list, add a client list because then it helps legitimize you and your profession. Also, I'm a huge believer in pitching yourself. I do have work that comes in organically, but like in terms of editorial illustration, so much of it has been me reaching out to them and asking for work. So it's not fun because you usually hear nothing back or you might get a no, but sometimes you get a yes. And I also want to say right now is probably not, you're not going to get a lot of yeses because companies aren't doing super hot, but now's a good time to maybe craft that pitch. And what was that, what would that pitch look like? Or do some research into if you would like to work for a certain company or you'd like to work for a magazine or publication or do freelance for something, maybe do that research and start cataloging it, like make a Google sheet. And we have a template in the blog post where you can basically like create a list of who have you, who have you contacted? When did you contact? What was the answer? What was the response? You know, did, did anyone like get back to you? What date was that? Like little things that help you because later on when things pick back up, whenever that may be, you'll have something to go off of. And along with that too, tracking expenses, like right now, people are probably not spending a ton, but you could look back and say, I've been trying to be a freelancer, I've been freelancing for this long, how much have I spent on supplies? Like, am I being wasteful? Am I being smart? Are there areas where I don't need to? So I do think that now is a good time to dip into some of those more mundane tasks that are really easy to push off to the side because normally we're just busy. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Getting yourself organized and tracking the expenses and, and working on the pitches. And going back to the pitches, what does it look like typically when you pitch somebody you'd like to do an editorial illustration for? What's a typical pitch you'd give? I mean, it's an email. It's quick. It's got examples. Like I usually include one or two examples of my drawing. I clearly highlight how you can view more of my work. And then in the pitch, which we have a 
template of the one I use in the blog post as well. But I like to reference like some of my top or favorite clients to work for. So that way, if somebody even happens to open it and they see that, they're like, oh, I like that. Or like, this could be someone we work we work with in the future. I just keep it super simple. And I think if you are doing research and somebody like a publication or whatever company has submission guidelines, you should follow those. Don't go rogue because most often people are turned off by that because they get a high volume of people asking for work. But if you just see an email, then send them a pitch. Tell them what you want to do and say say it really easy and quick and simple and then share your work so they can actually get a sense of what you're all about. And for somebody that's never done this before, you know, there's going to be a lot of rejection. You're not going to hear back from people. How should you calibrate your expectations? Like, what do you think is a reasonable response rate to expect to kind of set yourself up for going into this? Jeez, it's really hard to say, especially right now. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, the world is crazy right now. Yeah. Well, how about even, since it's a really hard question to answer, how about even if we go pre-COVID, like what would you say is a, a reasonable response rate? My normal schedule in normal times would be January is when I do like that administrative stuff, which I should be doing it way more. And it's, you know, now I'm like, oh, I do have time to do it. But I send maybe like 20 pitch emails out in January, usually say like, Happy New Year. I loved working with you. Like people I've worked with before or new people. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the relationship alive. Makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And then just reference that I'd love to work with them again in the future. And usually I hear back from maybe five of the 20. Okay. That's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty high hit rate. I was was expecting. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to say, but like some people that I've worked with over the years, they're going to reply more readily because we have a longer relationship than and it's taken a long time. Like there have been times where I send out 20 pitch emails and I don't hear anything back and it hurts, but you just got to keep it in perspective. It's nothing personal. It's, it could be for so many reasons. And the only way I've gotten to a point where five people write back to me is that I've just continued doing it and prepared myself for the rejection. I think rejection is just a part of the process that you have to accept. And if you're able to do that and just push forward, at some point, somebody's going to want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep on keeping on. Yeah. No, you know, that mirrors too, like what we do at Astropad when we do press emails as well, where yeah, now if we could send out 20, we could probably get five responses as well. But that's also because we've spent years going back and forth with, with some of these journalists. Yeah. Uh, early on, our success rate was a <laughs> lot, lot lower than that. You know, I remember, yeah, you'd send out 50 and you'd get like two responses or you know, yeah, maybe even yeah. more, more than that. So it's interesting the same the same stuff applies there with yeah building building the relationships with the uh, freelance business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've also got a blog post that you put together that covers a lot of this stuff. You've got a, we'll include it in the show notes here. Got a lot of examples. You've got an example pitch in here tracking how to track clients, how to attract expenses. So a lot of really 
really helpful stuff here that we link to for anybody that wants to check it out. Otherwise, if somebody was interested in checking out your illustrations or learning more about your freelance business, how would they find you? They could find me on Instagram. I'm at Rad Illustrates and I'm also just racheldugan.com. But obviously, like I said earlier, I'm on Instagram. And if you want to say hi or ask a question, I I always keep my DMs open. All right. Yeah, no, that's great. We'll link to your we'll link to your Instagram as well. Well, thanks a lot, Dukes. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to have the the worlds crossover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 